0: It is unleashed with me, John Lund from Cambria Radio in San Francisco. Bay Area Sports Talk, episode number 30 for Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Upon further review, Yes, the 49ers' loss is as bad as we thought. The Rams respond to the 49ers getting Christian McCaffrey. Monday night showed the 49ers, maybe they did pick the right quarterback after all. Good news and bad news on Aaron Judge, as far as coming to the Bay. Bruce Bochy, computers or his gut, and one for the road. A kind of compliment for Steph Curry. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for hanging out. I am John Lund. For many years, been doing the uh, midday show, 10, to 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. Thank you for listening to that as well. If this is what brought you to the podcast, I am solo. It is Unleashed, various sports talk. Make sure that uh, you subscribe, all your favorite places that you get the uh, podcast. We would appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Interact any old time, at John Lund Radio, positive, negative, whatever it is. And again, KNBR, weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And like I said, if you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for finding us. Uh, Appreciate it. We drop it each uh, weekday morning, usually out there by about uh, 6 a.m., so we try to catch your commute. So make sure that uh, you check it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those places, and you get the podcast and listen. Here's what we do. We'll kick it off with the leadoff spot in a moment, the big story of the day. And today it's going to be – The 49ers, we looked at this thing again, and yes, sometimes a coach will tell you it wasn't so bad or wasn't as bad. Uh, It was as bad, and we'll give you that. Uh, Sean McVay finally was asked the question about Christian McCaffrey coming here instead of there, and he's got a funny answer to that. We'll get into that conversation. Then we'll do a bunch of other stories, a lot of sound that I use. We like to have a lot of fun just like we do in the radio show. So today you'll hear from Kyle Shanahan and Aaron Judge and Sean McVay, like I said as well, and a kind of compliment from Kevin Garnett in One for the Road. That's how we finish up. We always like to have some fun and finish up with One for the Road. So without further ado, let's get to it. Unleashed, various sports talk for October 25th, 2022, a Tuesday episode number 30. Here is your leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Injuries from the game. Devo Samuel has a hamstring. He'll be day-to-day. Greenlaw has a calf day-to-day. um, use check, um broke his finger, has
1: surgery today. Um, most likely won't be available this week. Should get him after the bye. Um, and that's it.
0: That is Kyle Shanahan. And that is an all-too-familiar rundown at the beginning. That was on a teleconference, and he does those every Monday. And it just seems like the 49ers, and like other teams, you know, everybody always thinks it's their team because that's the team that you pay attention to. But if you looked around the NFL, uh, Brees Hall, the running back from the Jets out of Iowa State, the rookie who's having such a good year, blew out his knee. D.K. Metcalf had a patella tendon injury. He uh, will be back soon. There's a boatload of injuries that happen every single week in the NFL it just seems like we constantly say well when the 49ers get healthy when the 49ers get healthy well maybe the 49ers won't get healthy because when they get guys back it seems that guys get injured again and that's just what the NFL is it's different than the other sports there's injuries in other sports but not like this so first and foremost injuries and i said this yesterday in the podcast are not making excuses it's just that it's a major issue with the 49ers and specifically and again i said this yesterday in the podcast the defensive line. Now, Kyle Shanahan did say, and I've heard that it's not just the uh, plantar fasciitis with Eric Armstead. There's other things going on, and that is what has led to this lengthy absence. And it leads into, and and he did say some positive things, and he did say maybe Eric Armstead this week, which surprised me a little bit. But it would be massive if, if Eric Armstead not only could come back, but come back healthy. And there's a massive difference between the two. We saw this week in the 49ers game, Jimmy Ward was back, but that wasn't Jimmy Ward. Shavarius Ward was back, but that wasn't Shavarius Ward. There's a difference between a guy getting back and playing well and then a guy just being back. We got all excited. Oh, that guy's coming back. Well, can he play like he played? Because that was Jimmy Ward's first action, and that just wasn't the guy that you see week in and week out. Shavarius Ward got beat on a deep ball. That's not the guy you see, and it has been one of the best corners week in and week out. Nobody's 100% at this point of the season, unless you haven't played. But if you've played, you're not going to be 100%. It's just how good can you play based on the injuries that you have. Now, let me go back to Armstead because if he can play somehow and be Eric Armstead or close to it in L.A. against the Rams, it changes everything along the defensive line because what's happening with Nick Bosa is, and a lot of smarter people than me, and this is what I do, I regurgitate a lot of things that I hear. I know enough people through the years of 25 years of doing this that I talk to enough people who are smarter than me who know – What's going on? And what's happening with Nick Bosa if you go back and watch? And they you say, hey, just go back and watch this, this, and this. And there are certain plays where Kansas City, and they're very smart. Not only is Andy Reid smart in designing plays, but he's smart in saying, okay, just like Bill Belichick and some of these other guys, or you can go to basketball or baseball, how are we going to dictate how we get beat? Well, we're not going to get beat by Nick Bosa, and so what they'll do is they'll chip Nick Bosa on some plays. They won't block him on others. They're running jet sweeps two and away. A lot of the designs of the Kansas City offense is to confuse and frustrate Nick Bosa. And the reason they can do those kind of things is they don't respect the rusher opposite Nick Bosa. They know that guys like Hassan Ridgway and and, uh, Kevin Givens, who are nice rotational players, are not going to wreck their game plan. And when you have an Armstead and you have Bosa and you used to have D Ford and you had that defensive line that they had in 2019, you had to say, what are we going to do here? We can't just sit here and double Nick Bosa. Now the game plan is Nick Bosa can't wreck our game plan, and we can put so much attention on Nick Bosa because there's just not guys along the defensive line that we respect. And you know this as well as I do if you're a 49ers fan, that the defensive line – is what starts everything for the 49ers really both offensively and defensively. Now you're saying to yourself wait a minute, not offensively. Yeah, offensively because you know that this defense is going to close everybody down. They're going to force turnovers, they're going to get sacks, and it can change the way that Kyle Shanahan can call an offense. He doesn't have to like he did on Sunday abandon the run or like he's done this season. He's abandoned the run a lot of times over the last couple of weeks because in Atlanta and and against the Chiefs because he knew that he didn't have he had guys that were injured and I think it changed the way that they played offensively. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the podcast today. But Nick Bosa, upon further review, they've got to get some guys back, or they've got to have guys be effective who are giving opportunities, because teams are are scheming against Nick Bosa, and especially in the Kansas City game, it was a major, major problem. Now, upon further review, let's play a little uh, Sean McVay for you. He was asked in his opening press conference to talk about the 49ers, and they're coming off a bye week. He was asked his reaction to the Christian McCaffrey trade. Now, if you're not up to date on this whole thing, they went neck and neck for this thing. And apparently the 49ers had an extra fourth-round pick to throw in there. The Rams tried to throw in uh, Cam Akers, who is disgruntled, and they are not so happy with him. Panthers decided to take either the 49ers' offer or Christian McCaffrey went to the, to the Panthers and said, I'd rather play for the 49ers. He has the Shanahan connection, went to Stanford. So it made sense that he would come here if the offers were close, and they may have gone to him and said, hey, these offers are close, where do you want to go? Regardless, it came down to the Rams and the 49ers for Christian McCaffrey, and if you haven't paid attention to the to the Rams, they have not gotten good offensive production, and really, it's Cooper Cup and nothing. And so they needed some uh, more offensive production, much like what the 49ers did, because teams have kind of figured out Debo, and yeah, I like Ayuk and Kittle and all that, but you, you all of a sudden you have this star, and they become very difficult to defend, And Sean McVay, no doubt, wanted him. This was his reaction. Now, it gets beeped out, so you're going to listen to this, and I'm going to tell you what he said. But here is Sean McVay when asked today what he thinks of the 49ers getting Christian McCaffrey.
1: Sean, what were your thoughts about the 49ers trading for Christian McCaffrey? Uh, No, you thought, oh, you know, they get get another great player, um, you know. But – I think he's a phenomenal player. Obviously we saw him recently. I've always had respect for his game and the versatility. So, you know, I think that's your first inclination. And then you have, you know, you know what a great job Kyle and his staff do of, of maximizing and utilizing uh versatile offensive weapons. So that was my first reaction. And then, you know, as a competitor, you say, Hey, you know, they've got them. We've got to be able to move forward accordingly. And, and uh, just so happens that they're on the schedule this week and, looking forward to uh, a great week of preparation that I think was started off the right way. And our guys feel fresh. I think the buy, it typically would be very early, but based on the way that this year's played out, I think it came at the perfect spot for us and it's a good bounce in our guys step, both players and coaches. And uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get a chance to see a a great player in addition to a bunch of other great players on Sunday. Both Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said that you guys have been a big part in opening their eyes to making big trades for a guy like, McCaffrey do you feel like there's more competition in those situations and how aware are you that the Niners are as a team are openly admitting to wanting to prevent a guy like him from coming to you guys I think it goes both ways um you know I think there's a you know the thing that I respect is there's good competitiveness you know we have a lot of relationships in this business uh it's a small business but it is one that it's uh got a bunch of very competitive people and Sometimes some of the moves are made with, number one, if it benefits your team, but then it's also not trying to help strengthen others. And I think that's uh, just a sound approach. I don't think we were the first people to do that by any stretch, but I think there is a willingness to to be aggressive in your pursuit of, of trying to do what is best for your team and trying to give yourself an opportunity to go do special things year in and year out. And, and certainly the Niners are one of those teams that's done that, um, in addition to you know a lot of other clubs in this league. Okay, so the word
0: he said at the beginning, beginning was he said his reaction was O S, not O S, the actual word. So that was Kyle Shanahan, and that's what he, or excuse me, that was Sean McVay, and what he thought of the trade. And then they beeped that out on Rams.com. And anyway, it, it's an interesting reaction because he wanted him. And I think, and I, I've said this in an earlier podcast, maybe this had no bearing on this, and maybe they wanted him just because they wanted him. We had Mike Shanahan on, Kyle's dad, obviously the former Broncos head coach, Super Bowl winning coach, and we asked him about the McCaffreys because they were close, and Ed McCaffrey played for Mike Shanahan, and now Christian McCaffrey plays for Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan, if you don't know the story, wore 87 in college because of Ed McCaffrey. Uh, He was a big fan of his. He used to hang out at the camps, and Mike Shanahan was saying that, look, he's wanted Christian for a long time, and they regretted. They obviously took Solomon Thomas in the 2017 NFL draft with the third pick. And they were contemplating Christian McCaffrey, and Kyle made a joke that now we got him. But I do think that something happened this week, and I I played this on an earlier podcast last week. You can go back to it. But Matthew Stafford was on Jalen Ramsey's podcast and said, "Geez, I thought it was ended up in San Francisco," and they talked about the Rams and swooping in. And I think the Forty ers were hell bent on not having that happen again. That they they needed offense. We're seeing offense being down. I've told you this before on the podcast. Touchdowns year to year. I don't know about Sunday. There's a lot of points scored. But year-to-year before last week, they were down about 100 touchdowns in the NFL total. That's a ton of touchdowns. So you've got to overload your offense with a ton of offensive weapons, and that's what the 49ers are going to do. And you could hear in that cut, and you could see it if you looked at Sean McVay, who, like Kyle Shanahan, wears his emotions on his sleeve. They wanted Christian McCaffrey, but they got to move on, and they are struggling offensively. And really, the only consistent offensive performer is Cooper Cup. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because I think just like the 49ers, they could break out at any time. And I do expect them before November 1st, the trading deadline, to add somebody to that backfield. They've tried to get rid of Cam Akers. I don't know what the issue is with Cam Akers. He's been an issue for the 49ers in the past, but he is in the doghouse with the Rams. He was asked about Cam Akers, was Sean McVay today in that same press conference and said if he was a betting man in Vegas, he would say that that, uh, Cam Akers is not going to be on this football team. But you know what, if I was a betting man in Vegas... I would have thought Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have been on the football team as well. One other note with Jimmy, and then we'll move on to the Aaron Judge conversation, which is very interesting here in the podcast today. It's funny, we were so happy to have Jimmy back when Trey Lance got hurt, and now I think we know, again, we got reminded, I should say, not know, we were reminded why they wanted to replace him. The The, the defense knows where Jimmy's going upon further review. Uh, they don't respect deep throws, 15-plus yards in the area. He's one of the worst in the league he has a brain fart per game. That was the interception in the end zone to George Kittle. I got a lot of feedback on the text line and through Twitter after the game because I do post game for the 49ers as well on the 49ers Radio Network, which you can hear on KMBR, 680 in the Bay Area, and KMBR.com. A lot of people saying they didn't like the play call from Kyle Shanahan, but Kyle explained it in the post game, and it was the exact thing I was thinking when I watched the play. And I'm talking about the interception before the half by Jimmy Garoppolo which really hurt this team. there down 14-13, should have had a to touchdown there. There was an overload to the left side of Jimmy Garoppolo, and he threw the interception and tried to force it to George Kittle. There was pressure in his face, but and Jeff Wilson was wide open, but he didn't see Jeff Wilson. Maybe he, he didn't have the time to get to Jeff Wilson in, in the progressions in looking through the progressions to get it to Jeff Wilson. That's cool. If that's the case, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Then you have to throw it out of the end zone. You can't throw that interception. You can't throw a jump ball there. And that's the brain farts that Jimmy makes, that 22-year-old quarterbacks make, that Jimmy Garoppolo still makes. And that's a problem. And that's why they drafted Trey Lance. I'm not anti-Jimmy Garoppolo. I said this at the time. He's the best backup quarterback in the league. But he still makes a ton of mistakes. He only throws it inside the numbers. He can't throw it deep down the field. And that's why Christian McCaffrey is such a big weapon and major acquisition for the 49ers because Jimmy's just got to distribute the ball. And it sounds simple and it's not. I get it. But if you're lining everybody up with Ayuk and Debo and McCaffrey and Kittle and Newscheck's going to be out for a while with the broken finger, at least until after the bye, but now you've got all these guys. Just distribute the football. I know it's not as simple as what I'm making it sound, but Jimmy had to take some chances down the field, the one that Ray-Ray McLeod dropped in Atlanta. You don't have to do that. You're not good at pushing the football down the field. Get it in the playmakers' hands. And one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said today, was that he was going to probably try to get Christian McCaffrey this, uh, in involved in the screen game, which he does not a lot to running backs, but he said today during his press conference that he gets it a lot because he thinks his wide receivers are the best guys in the screen game. And it's not that the 49ers don't run a screen game. It's just they don't run a screen game a ton to the running backs. But remember, McCaffrey can play in the slot. He can play in the backfield, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, upon further review, there's an update for you on the 49ers next saw
2: Mac Jones you could read his lips saying I'm out. Look, he had some turnovers early. That's a pretty quick hook. Uh, it was a pretty athletic play by their safety. He's telling him he's telling Nelson I'm out. Not happy about it. and I understand it. That's a uh, that's a hard way to play quarterback, right? I mean, if yeah. you're hesitant to, to make a play and you know, knowing you're gonna come out, that's tough. I, I, my guess is he didn't know that was the deal, but uh, that, um, yeah, they have confidence in Zappi. He's made some good decisions, but I hate that, you know, for a quarterback to, you know, throw an interception, right? We've all thrown them.
0: That is the Manning cast, and that was Monday night, and for some reason they brought them back for the Bears and the uh, the Patriots. They missed a couple of good games in between, but Bears and Patriots, it was an ugly game, and the Bears somehow, who I think is the worst, I think they're the worst team in the league, but they're three and four, so how could they be the worst team in the league? Anyway, I think Justin Fields is the worst quarterback in the league, but he used his legs. Eventually, everybody not named Lamar Jackson, you at some point have to use your arm, but Justin Fields isn't there, and we'll give him time to develop, I suppose. But right now, I still think he's maybe not the worst, but pretty darn close to one of the worst quarterbacks or the worst quarterback in the league. But where I'm going with this whole thing is that last year when Mac Jones played pretty well for the Patriots, and they're hovering around 500 and trying to fight for a playoff spot, everybody was screaming and yelling that, Mac Jones should have been the pick for Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and he was talked out of it and he didn't want to take Trey Lance. Well, Mac Jones now has been benched on Monday night football and he's coming off an ankle injury and I don't know how bad it is. And maybe that's why he's playing poorly, but I thought through the draft process and I'm no expert, but I watched a lot and I watch a lot of college football and talk to a lot of people. And I decided that Mac Jones was a younger version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they already have Jimmy Garoppolo. So why not swing for the fences? Now, Trey Lance may not end up being anything, and he might be a bust. I don't know. But it seems to me that Justin Fields, who was available, and Mac Jones, who was available, remember, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were already off the board. So if you were taking a quarterback and you moved all the way up to three and gave up two first-round picks to do it, so you weren't drafting Kyle Pitts, you were drafting a quarterback. So the options you had were Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Right now, wouldn't you take Trey Lance still? And if only because the unknown is better than the known, because Justin Fields isn't good and Mac Jones is on the bench and he isn't good. So I guess by default, I would go with Trey Lance, who, you know what, in all reality, I would go with Trey Lance. I still think he has the upside. I know there's a lot of work to do. I know he may need this whole season too, and it's going to be some growing pains next year. We shall see. And he wasn't great in the time that we did see him. But I think he's better than Justin Fields. And I like his upside better than Mac Jones. What do you think? At John Lund Radio. Next. Is your goal still to remain a Yankee? What's that? Is your goal still to remain a Yankee as you've expressed
2: in the past? Yeah, you know, I've been clear about that you know, since I first wore the pinstripes. But, you know, we couldn't get something done before spring training. And you know, I'm a free agent. We'll see what happens.
0: All right, so there's some good news and bad news from Aaron Judge there. Right after the Yankees were ousted, and I shouldn't say ousted, they were swept By the Houston Astros. A couple of different things here. Some good news and the bad news. You want the good news first? Okay. I'm going to go with the good news. That didn't sound like an Aaron Judge that wants to return to New York. Now, maybe it's just the closeness of it and not, uh, you know, just being frustrated and disappointed, and he had a bad ALCS. But he had 62 home runs this year, as you well know, and he was booed by Yankees fans. Now, maybe he's okay with that, and maybe it will have no bearing in where he goes in this offseason. Or... Because remember, he was booed in the season early in the season for not taking the deal the Yankees offered. They marketed it well. But then he bet on himself, and everybody loved him, and he went through the home run chase, and they cheered him. And then he struggles in the ALCS, and they boo him. Now, in the Bay Area, I'm pretty confident in saying this, and I'm a, I have a bad track record, a poor track record when I speak for the fans, but I think I'm pretty good on this one. I just don't think that that's how we work here. I, it, the West Coast, it's just not that way. Uh, he struggled, no question, struck out a ton. But I still don't think after a 62 home run season, we would boo him. I could be wrong. Again, interact. Any old time. At John Lund Radio. So that's one part of it. Maybe it has no bearing. Maybe it has some bearing. And you heard his voice there. It just didn't sound like a guy that's going to come back. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. The second part of this thing, which isn't the good news, which we'll just call the bad news, is that given the – and I said this on a podcast uh, right when the Dodgers – the day after the Dodgers got ousted, I said to myself, and I said on the podcast – more importantly, so it's on the record, that the Dodgers getting ousted in the fashion that they did long before the World Series, which is always their goal, especially after winning 111 games, would that make them say, okay, you know what? That didn't work, so we're going to non-tender Cody Bellinger, and we're going to let Trey Turner go, and we're going to let Justin Turner go, and they they can – Clayton Kershaw's up. They got a lot of money that they could clear off the books and be a major, major player for Aaron Judge And because they've been a major player for just about everybody they want, that would scare me. Well, it came out in the New York Papers today that the Dodgers will be a player for Aaron Judge. Now the Giants will. Clearly the Yankees will. The Mets, with their type of uh, money from Steve Cohen, their owner, they will. I'm sure the Red Sox would love to steal Aaron Judge from the Yankees. I don't know how serious serious of a suitor they're going to be. And there is downside to Aaron Judge. He's 30 years old, which isn't old to me, but in baseball terms, for a guy who gets hurt as much as he does, there's no doubt. And that's going to give some people pause to give him the type of contract that he's going to be looking for, 8, 9, 10 years, and looking at 35 to $40 million. So if it gets absolutely expensive, and agents love it when the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers get involved, because that's when the money gets jacked up. And maybe the Giants will bow out at some point, which I've been really excited about it because Aaron Judge is – a, not a barrier guy, but a Northern California guy. Linden is only about 100 or so miles away from Oracle Park, and he has expressed, and this isn't just isn't pie in the sky because he's expressed the fact that he's a Giants fan, that he was a Buster Posey fan. Now Buster Posey's part of the ownership group. I'm sure he's going to try to recruit Aaron Judge. So the one fly in the ointment as far as the Giants are concerned is Farhan, and more so the Giants. Farhan doesn't control the purse strings. But they haven't shown the inclination since he's been here to go out and spend a bunch of money. They love finding those buried treasures at g- garage sales. They love dumpster diving. They love go- to go to TJ Maxx and find this sweater that was at Nordstrom for $500 and now is 50 bucks. That's just been what the Giants have done. So you look at them and you say, you know what? They've never done it before, so why are they going to do it now? Well, the other side of that would be, well, they tried on Bryce Harper and they tried on Giancarlo Stanton. And... My fear is that we're going to get another one of those. Well, he went to the Dodgers, and they tried to get Aaron Judge because, to me, that soundbite says Aaron Judge isn't overly enamored with the Yankees. Getting booed probably didn't make him happy, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come running to the Giants, and now there's news that he's going to actually consider, or the Dodgers are actually going to consider him. Eh, not good. One other baseball note that I wanted to mention because I didn't get to mention this on Friday, is that former Giants World Series winning manager Bruce Bochy, one of the best guys around, had a presser in Texas on Monday. And his former the way he got that job, by the way, is Chris Young is a former player of his on the Padres. He is now running operations for the Rangers, and he brings in 68-year-old Bruce Bochy. Now, we know Bochy. He adapted for the year under Farhan Zaidi. He was like, "Hey, you want to play the numbers game? That's fine. I'll do that." He played along with it. But that he he Bruce Bochy doesn't need the money. Bruce Bochy's living in Nashville. He's fine. Everything's good. We've talked to him numerous times and he doesn't need to come back for a managing job unless it's on his terms. And it sounds like it's on his terms. Now, it's never going to be what it used to be, and you're going to get full autonomy and whatever you want to do go whatever you want to say goes, and that's just the way it's going to be. Every team does analytics. I used to live in Dallas and mostly cover the Cowboys and the Mavericks, but uh, I covered the Rangers as well, and I knew their former GM, John Daniels, and he was one of the first guys heavily into analytics. Now, he's not there anymore, but every team is into analytics. Now, maybe they're not as heavy as others. I don't know, but I do know that Bruce Bochy is going to come back and do things to a certain extent his way, and obviously there's going to be a computer involved, but not as much with other teams. So to me... It's going to be fascinating to watch what Bruce Bochy is given, what reigns Bruce Bochy is given, and what in what fashion do they say, whoa, 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 we're doing it this way. and uh, Because I know Bochy, Bochy wouldn't have come back if it was going to be at least like it was at the end for the Giants. So that's a team to watch. Bruce Bochy goes to the Rangers. Give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio. All right, let's do it. It is time for one for the road. Steph Curry gets a compliment. Kind of. I want your thoughts on this.
2: I wonder what ever we're You got to say that we're out of the LeBron era, right? And I think that we're in the Steph era. I think we're in the Golden State Steph era. And um, I think we got to start putting a lot more respect on his name because he ain't done or they're not done. But you know, to the legacy of Steph and what he's done for the leagues, to, I, I, this is just my opinion. I really think that he's changed the game from not only uh, your point of pickup on a guard who has crazy range like he has, but he's pushed the level up to another level to if you're going to have a deep ball of you're going to shoot it from you know deep, you got to be able to shoot it from here. He set the precedent for that. Those are game changers. Those are game disruptors. When you come in and you shift the whole, man, he, he shift the whole era of guards, that's having to go and and really, really work on their depth and shooting it from certain deeps. And um, yeah, the league's gonna have to entertain the four ball at some point, you know, like it's just getting out of hand. All
0: right, that's Kevin Garnett, and he's talking about Steph Curry, obviously. And by the way, Steph Curry is playing in his age thirty five season. Uh, he was drafted in two thousand nine. <laughs> he's a multi time All Star, two time MVP. Started winning championships in 2015, and the game changed many years ago when Steph Curry got into his prime, which has almost been 10 years. And I know that Kevin Garnett knows a hell of a lot more about basketball than I do, but he's talking about the Steph era and how how he's changing the game. Bro, this has been going on for like seven, eight years. Are, Are you new to this? Steph Curry, most people will disagree because they don't understand, but Steph Curry has innovated the game more than just about anybody else, at least of the modern era. Michael Jordan, you say? Everybody was dunking, and a dunk was always cool. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? The hook never caught on. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain? Chamberlain was more physically dominant than anybody else. Nobody could could do the thing Shaq did. Uh, Kobe Bryant? There's always been great scorers in this league. Steph Curry made it so that everybody thought they could shoot a 30-footer. I'm not a big guy. I can't go down in the paint. I can't fly through the sky, but I think I can shoot a three-pointer if I practice enough. I mean, Victor, whatever the guy's name is, Victor, what's his name, that's a seven-footer, starts with a W, blah, 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 five That dude's 7'5 and can shoot three-pointers. What we're starting to see was is these kids who grew up idolizing and watching Steph Curry – and starting to shoot from the parking lot at an early age. He's not always going to have the records that he has for three-pointers and attempts and makes and all these kind of things because everybody coming out of the womb now and everybody who picks up a basketball and everybody who gets into the league can automatically shoot 10, 12, 13, 15, I don't know, 23-pointers a night it's going to get to at some point. So he's not always going to be the record holder, but he's always going to be the innovator that changed the game. You have to pick him up at midcourt. The game is spread out so much now. Every, every Not only every six-footer thinks they can shoot from 30 feet, every seven-footer thinks they can shoot from 30 feet. That's the way things have gone now. He's the biggest innovator in the history of the modern game of basketball. And Kevin Garnett, who I know is complimenting him to a certain extent, is saying that it's the Steph era. Dude, it's been the Steph era. They've beaten LeBron numerous times. LeBron hasn't beaten them other than one time, And it took a a crazy play in Draymond Green to come back from a 3-1 deficit. And I'm not taking that away from them. They got the championship. But this team has been dominating the NBA for a long time. Steph Curry's been dominating the the league for a long time. He's a two-time MVP. He changed the game a long time ago. (laughs) uh, Charles Barkley was talking on TNT a long time ago about jump shooting teams not winning a championship. And in 2015 had to change his mouth or had to shut his mouth. And now in 2022, Kevin Garnett saying, hey, it's the Steph era. Bro, it's been the Steph era. And then as far as saying a a four-point shot, the four-point shot, well, at first when he said that, I thought, that is kind of an interesting idea. But then could you imagine the amount of guys who would be pulling up from wherever that four-point line is? And that's the difference in Steph and everybody else. Now, Damian Lillard can do it. There's a few guys who can do it. But shooting a three-point shot is one thing. Shooting where Steph said, it's okay to shoot from here. And at first, Steve Kerr was like, no, 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 yes. I mean, he's on record many times as saying that. So, Steph Curry can shoot from 35 or 40 feet. But what would happen is if they did implement a four-point shot or a five-point shot or a half-court shot with whatever, first of all, it would be like MTV Rock and Jock where, you know, the basket was way up there, I think, and a team was down 20 and they had to jack it up. It would turn it, turn it into a circus show. Can I win a stuffed animal if I hit a half-court shot, but they've got those little rims down there in Santa Cruz that the ball can never go in? Those are a big ripoff. But that's kind of what it would turn into, is every guy then would think, well, geez, if three points is good, four points is better. And if four points is good, six points is better. And where would it stop? No four-point line because everybody would be shooting half-court shots. Like, they're not doing that already. Everybody thinks they have Steph Curry range. And as far as I'm concerned, Steph has Steph Curry range. Uh, Damian Lillard has uh, Steph Curry range. There's not a a lot of guys after that. Maybe Clay in his prime. Clay can still shoot from distance, but not like those guys. But everybody would think they could shoot the four-point shot. So we can't have a four-point shot. And by the way, Kevin Garnett, Steph Curry's been doing that for a long time. But thanks for the compliment anyway. And that is one for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 30. We made it to 30 for Tuesday, October 25th. 2022 i am john lund make sure you listen to me during my day job on kmbr radio in san francisco kmbr 680 and kmbr.com with the voice of the 49ers greg coppa from 10 a.m to 2 p.m interact with the show anytime at john lund radio next week we'll be on the youtube channel hope you saw that tease we got it all set up for you the podcast subscribe tell your friends listen up anywhere you get your podcasts if you're new to the podcast thanks for finding us we'll be better tomorrow It's Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network.